Okay, we're in Lesson 27. We're looking at these individual Proverbs. We're going to look at verse 20 of chapter 18. So notice with me what the writer says, which is Solomon. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Okay, now we're talking about speech again. Now, that's almost kind of, boy, isn't that interesting? How many of you have been satisfied by the words of your mouth? Your stomach has been satisfied by your lips. We say if something passing through my lips satisfies me, okay? All right. But notice what he's trying to say here. So here's the point he's, he's going to make here. The point is productive speech is satisfying and beneficial. Productive speech, speech that is beneficial and productive. It's not meaningless, idle chatter. You know, you ever notice that sometimes there is a, there's talking that's just meaningless, idle. It's just a waste of time. The stuff that we talk about, it has no significance whatsoever. Yeah, so what we're talking about here is that productive speech is beneficial. So the whole point is, is that when you speak, your speech needs to be such that it's beneficial to people. Because again, let's talk about it. We've been talking about Proverbs for a moment. A person who's speaking is meaningless, idle. How does Proverbs usually describe that kind of person? Yeah, he's foolish. Bruce said foolish. You know, so you, you need to be considerate of what you're talking about. And, 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 and especially here in this proverb is that when you speak beneficial words, when you speak productive words, that is going to be satisfying as much as food is satisfying. However, I would even say this, it even goes beyond food because the satisfaction of food is only for what? Yeah, it's only temporary for the moment. Words can satisfy you a whole lot longer. Why? Because you can remember words. Now, in fact, there's a New Testament parallel. Anybody know what the New Testament parallel is to this verse? Let me help you out a little bit. The Gospels talk about it with reference to the temptation of who? Jesus. And remember, after 40 days of fasting in the wilderness, the devil comes to him and he says, you know, if you're the Son of God, turn these rocks into what? Bread. And what did Jesus say? Yeah, men shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that comes from the mouth of God. From God. See, this is, going to, this is a New Testament parallel here. What's going to be more satisfying to you in your life are productive words. Words of wisdom. Words of encouragement. And I would say, ultimately, the word of God. Now, look at verse 21. We're going to talk about consequences of your speech. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. What people say can lead to life or death. What people say can lead to life or death. I've told you this before. This is a reoccurring theme throughout the book of Proverbs. That words are not meaningless. Does everybody understand me? Words are not meaningless. Remember the old child's proverb we used to sing? Sticks and stones will break my bones, but what? Names will never hurt me. 
Boy, what a lie. Isn't that a lie? Because reality is names do hurt us. Words do hurt us. And so here's the point of Proverbs. Proverbs is trying to say to you and I that when we speak, there are consequences to our speaking, to the way that we talk to each other. And the consequences are either life or death. Our words will either bring life or death. You will either bring encouragement or discouragement. So think about that for a moment. When you get into a heated argument and you're fighting, do you give words of life in that time? No, you're lashing out, out of your anger. And you're saying things that later on you, what, regret and you wish that you could take back. Can you take them back? No, you can't take them back. There's no way to take them back. You know, there's no way to eliminate them. They're there. In fact, here's, in, in fact, they're eternal. What do you mean by eternal, George? They're there forever because Jesus said every idle word will be what? Brought into judgment. So even when you die, you're still going to have to answer for it later. Boy, that's how serious our talking is to each other. That's how serious it is. That we need to be people who speak words of life rather than words of death. Even you say, well, how can you do that? Because sometimes you have to you get angry and sometimes you get you have to deal with stuff. Well, you can still deal with stuff with words of life rather than words of death. You say, what do you mean? Well, there's like, for instance, you know the scripture says a soft answer will turn away wrath. You can communicate to people in such a way that it is words of life, even if you're rebuking them or dealing with an issue, more so than words of death. Words of death is you losing control. Words of death is you saying stuff that you shouldn't be saying. Words of death are you tearing down that individual's character or their personhood, when in reality, if you want to deal with an issue, there's a better way of dealing with it. There's a better way of dealing with it. And so that's what we're talking about. There are consequences to our words. Does everybody realize that? There are consequences to what you say. There are consequences to what you say to your spouse. There are consequences to what you say to your children. There are consequences within your family, extended family, work, everywhere. There are consequences. If you say things, there are consequences. And the greater the responsibility you have, the more consequences there are for what you say. That's the point that Proverbs is trying to tell us here. Now look at the issue of the wife, verse 22. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And here's what he's saying. A good marriage is a gift from God. Here, he's talking to, obviously, the Proverbs were mostly read by men because women necessarily didn't have weren't given education back then when these were written over 3,000 years ago. And so he's making, he's bringing a good point up here that he who finds a good wife finds a good thing. Finds a good thing. He finds a good thing from God. And so a good marriage is a gift from God. Look at verse 23 now, the issue of speech. Here again, notice what it says. The poor man uses entreaties, but a rich man answers roughly. So notice, one's social status determines the tone of voice. You ever notice that? You can see that all the time. 
Somebody who's on the low end of the totem pole, when they're talking to people above them, they're always, you know, they're kind, they're respectful, they, you know, most folks are. They'll, they'll talk in, in treaties is what the scriptures talks about. They'll, they'll talk in platitudes. So like if I'm working for Bruce, you know, great Bruce, how you doing? You know, great, may I have your blessing, sir? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he, his, his response to me, the greater and the higher they are in a totem pole, notice how they respond to people. How do they respond to people? Yeah, harshly, roughly. See, one social status. See, now again, this is not a promise. This is just a reference of wisdom again. A Proverbs are tidbits of wisdom reflecting reality. And that's not necessarily saying it's condoning it. Because I would say the guy who's speaking harshly needs to what? Yeah, he needs to humble himself. Get his act together. But that's reality. You see it at your workplace, don't you? you hire a guy is up the totem pole. He thinks he's invincible, and so he can say, say anything, right? The lower the guy is on the company ladder, what? He's trying to move up the ladder. So he's going to be more, what? Careful about what he says. Now, look at the issue of friendship, verse 24. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Okay, now here, here's the point. It is better to have one good friend than numerous unreliable ones. Notice there's a couple things this passage is trying to say to you. Number one, he who has friends must first be friendly. You ever have somebody complain, I just don't have any friends. Nobody wants to spend time with me. You ever have anything, ever anybody say something like that to you? Here's what's going on there. The response to them is, well, I don't know why. Everybody seems friendly around here. I don't know. That's not how you answer somebody like that. What you need to say to them is what Proverbs is saying. Well, are you friendly? Are you reaching out? You see what I'm saying? Because if you're reaching out, then you'll make friends. Because here's the point. If you isolate yourself, we already talked about this a couple weeks ago, about the person who isolates himself, it's hard to talk to. And notice, notice the, how, the social, how the social workings are in a group. If I'm over here and I come in the church every Sunday and I, I sit down, well, I mean, I'll sit down over here because nobody sits over here. Very few people. I sit over here. And here I am for worship, and the rest of you are over there with all the you sacred, holy, Baptist people over there, okay? All right? You're over there. Well, how many friends am I going to make? Now, if I come in every Sunday, and then I slip out immediately right after the service, I can just slip out this door right here. Boom, I'm gone. And then one of you meets me during the week at Goodman's or something. And they say, well, we haven't seen you lately. Well, that church is so unfriendly. Nobody wants to be, nobody talks to me. Whose fault is it? Is it your fault? It's the guy who's sitting down here, slipping out the door. See, that's the point of Proverbs. For you to have friends, you've got to be what? Friendly. 
you've got to be willing to talk to people. So if you're going to go in somewhere new, sit right down in the middle of them. No, I don't mean that. But I mean, you know, sit near them. Be friendly. Hang around a little bit. That's the first part. The second part then says, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that's the whole aspect of that you will have some very close friends. You may have, remember I shared this with you before. It's a great saying that in your life you'll only have five true friends. You'll have many acquaintances, but you'll have five true friends. Five true friends are people who will give without asking for something in return. They will sacrifice because of love for you. You'll have up to five true friends in your life. Now, and the point was, make sure that one of them is your spouse. Make sure one of them is your spouse. That's the point of Proverbs here. Now, some will say, well, I thought this proverb was talking about Jesus. Let me just stop for a moment. I want you to... Yes, it refers to someone, it can refer to Jesus, but I want you to understand, when this proverb was being written by Solomon, he didn't have Jesus in mind. When the people in Solomon's day read it, they didn't have in mind a Messiah. Because to them, the Messiah was a conquering, ruling king. Not somebody's buddy. Does everybody understand? That's a concept that comes later from the New Testament when we have the revelation of who Jesus is. So really what this verse is talking about here is the fact of a true friend. Does everybody understand me? A true friend. So first part, you've got to be friendly. Second part, what? You only have a few friends. True friends. You have many acquaintances. Many acquaintances. But... Very few true friends. All right, now let's go on. Look at the issue, verse 1 now, chapter 19, the issue of poverty. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one who is perverse in his lips and is a fool. Here it is. Personal integrity, even with poverty, is far better than foolish perversion. Boy, you know what? If you need to, put a star by that verse. Why? Why do I need to put a star by that verse? Because you need to remember that verse when you turn on your TV and you're watching the Hollywood news. And you're watching somebody self-destruct all over your TV. Or you're watching somebody doing the most craziest things. And it's all because they have a lot of what? Money. See, this is what Proverbs is talking about. Personal integrity. Even though you're poor, but you're personally, you're walking in integrity. It's far better than what? Foolish perversion. And have you noticed that the more money they have, the more eccentric they get, the more crazy stuff and perverted stuff they do? And we want their money? I would say we don't want it, do we? You know what I'm saying? I would say we don't want it. And who wants those heartaches? Who wants those heartaches? See, that's the point I want you to see there. Look now at verse 2, the issue of zeal. Also, it is not good for a soul to be without knowledge, and he sins who hastens with his feet. Here it is. Ill-advised and thoughtless zeal leads to failure. Ill-advised and thoughtless zeal leads to failure. Notice what the writer says. 
It is not good for a soul to be without knowledge. And he sins who hastens with his feet. You know, for you to enter into something without knowledge and for you to enter into it just because you feel like you just need to get moving and get it done and you're not having any thought of what you're doing, you're just inviting problems and trouble. That's what the point is here. You are sinning because you haven't given it any thought. You know? And listen, I recognize we live in an area here. It's interesting. We live in an area where education is not a big thing in our community. Ignorance rules in our area. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. Proverbs says that you and I need to be people who are learning. Now, let me just stop for a moment. What kind of learning are you talking about, George? Do you think I need to go to college? No, I didn't say that. Because I know a lot of educated fools. The point is, is that what Proverbs is encouraging you to know is the knowledge of wisdom. The knowledge of life. To think about stuff. To learn from, from others who are wiser than you. To learn from the Word of God, ultimately. And then operate in life. But we've got a lot of people, they don't operate in life. They'll go and do something, and then they can't understand why something happens like that. In fact, I think I shared this illustration with you before. Let me share it with you once again. Nineteen years ago, I had the opportunity to go to East Africa, to Kenya. And when I went there, before I went there, I read a book. Somebody encouraged me to read a book by a man, a reporter by the name of David Lamb called The Africans. It's probably the best book that gave you a good synopsis of Africa at the time. Because it went country by country. It gave a little bit of the history. And then it kind of gave you the mindset of Africa. And here's a point that he made. Is, is that Africans don't think like Westerners. We're Westerners. We think didactically. We think in terms of scientifically and stuff. Africans don't think that way. So, for instance, he gave an illustration that one of the countries had just bought a couple of brand new fighter jets. Their pilots were up, flying up over above the airport. And they were running out of fuel. They decided to eject from the planes and let the planes crash rather than land and get more fuel. They hadn't sought it through. You and I would look at that and say, well, dummy, land the plane and get more fuel. And here's the point. He says, you know, in the U.S., we think in terms of A plus B equals C. If I do A and B, I'm going to get C. An African does A, couldn't care less about B, has no thought about what C is. And that's the way it was 19 years ago. Now, here's the point. Transport ourselves 19 years forward. I'm pastoring in North America. I'm interacting in people's lives who are making decisions. And guess what I'm starting to see? That people are thinking like Africans. What do you mean, George? I do A, couldn't care less about B, and I'm totally shocked when C happens. 
Whereas before, we recognize, well, if I do this and I do that, I'm going to get this outcome. Now, if I do this, if B happens, it happens, but, oh my goodness, I can't believe that C happened. That's how we're thinking today. That's how we're thinking. That's the point that Solomon is making here. Ill-advised, thoughtless zeal leads to failure. What's happening in our country today, can I be honest with you, and we're perpetuating it. We're perpetuating it. So if you have sex before marriage and you get pregnant, don't worry about having a baby. You can just go take care of it. So people don't think in terms of that anymore. We've reduced it down to calling it just a piece of tissue that it just takes a medical procedure to take care of. And we're perpetuating that type of thought process in our country today where nobody is thinking about what the outcome will be. What the outcome will be. And so it's not just reflected in that area, it's reflected in a lot of areas. Oh, I've got ten credit card applications in the mail this week. This one's offering me the most benefit. Boy, look at that. And so then we get that credit card. We didn't give any thought to how we're going to pay it off. All we know is I can now go to Walmart and get that plasma whatever TV and put on my wall to watch the Super Bowl in hopes that the Giants will knock off the big kahuna. So you watch the game, you even take your card and you go and buy a whole bunch of stuff, have a party to watch the Super Bowl. A month later, you're getting a bill in the mail and they're like, what is this? Where did that come from? And you don't pay it. And guess what? Then they start calling you. Why are they bothering me? Because we're not thinking about what the outcome will be anymore. This is what he's telling us here. See, this is the reality of Proverbs. Is Listen to what he says there. It is not good for a soul to, go, to be without knowledge. And he who sins, who hastens with his feet. See, that's the point. Give some thought to what you're doing. Don't be surprised by the outcomes. Don't be surprised by the outcomes. Hey, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. We're in trouble. We're in trouble. Because I may be able to teach you something, but man, we've got 300 million people in our country acting this way now. Isn't that scary? Let's go on. Look at the issue of character traits. Verse 3. The foolishness of a man twists his way, and his heart frets against the Lord. Here's the issue of character. Fools will try to blame God when they ruin their lives. Isn't that true? Let some natural disaster happen in our country. Let some kind of... And people will immediately start asking, what? Well, where's God? Why did God allow that to happen? First of all, you didn't even want God in your life until something bad happened. You know, and here's the sad thing. That's our country. But you know what? I see the same thing happening with Christians today. As soon as something bad happens... We immediately think God has abandoned us because we bought into some kind of lie that because I'm a Christian, everything should go okay in my life from here on out. And let me tell you something. If you believe that, you're believing a lie. Because I'll be honest with you. I actually think it gets worse. 
Because you've got an enemy who's out to destroy you now. Couldn't care less about you before because you were headed to hell before. Now, he wants to make sure that you stay defeated. And when stuff happens, a fool, notice what the Bible says, a fool, that is, he has no concept of God. When he ruins his life, he blames God for it. It's God's fault for allowing that problem to happen. You understand? It's God's fault for allowing that problem to happen. Why is God doing this to me? Let's go on now. Look at verse 4, the issue of wealth. Wealth makes many friends, but the poor is separated from his friend. Now, here's the point of reality. People run after the wealthy, and they will avoid the poor. Isn't that true? It doesn't matter what social circle you're in, whether you're in a church, whether you're in, if you belong to a social club or whatever. You notice who people gravitate to? The guy with a thick wallet. But the guy who has nothing, how many friends does he have? He maybe has a few. But then again, remember, we just talked about it's better to have one friend than a whole lot of acquaintances. Because what happens to the guy when his wallet deflates? What kind of friends does he have then? None. Let's go on now. Look at the issue of speech again. We're talking about our lips again. Verse 5. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies will not escape. Here's the point. Those who bear false witness will be punished. Now, let me just stop for a moment, because you're going to say, well, this is a point of wisdom. There are people who lie all the time in court, and they seem to get away with it. Yeah, they're getting away with it now, but the ultimate reality is, will they get away with it later? No. No, because there's a great God who judges. A great God who judges. Look at verse 6 now, the issue of friendship. The issue of friendship. Many entreat the favor of nobility. And every man is a friend to the one who gives gifts. And here's another point of reality. People seek friendship of influential people. Solomon is just speaking reality. Look, if I came in here and I just started, let's say I hit the big one. Okay? And I lost my mind because I'd have to lose my mind to do this. And I just came in here and I just started peeling off hundreds. Here, Bruce, have a hundred. You know? Have a hundred, you know. How many of you would, you would be like, you'd be my friend, wouldn't you? Even if you, even if you don't like me, you'll, you'll tolerate me for what? You'll tolerate me for a hundred, especially if I came every Sunday peeling off. You realize how big this church would get if I started doing that? Yes, they would. You know, they would. In fact, the Sunday I show up and I forget my hundreds, people are going to say, where's the hundred? Then what happens the next Sunday? They're not here. You won't be here either. You know? So that's the point he's making is people seek the friendship of influential people. Why do they seek the friendship? Because they want something. This proverb is talking about the reality of people's hearts. This proverb is talking about the reality of people's hearts. This proverb is talking about what? Ultimately, greed. Greed. At the very essence of who we are, we are what? Greedy. 
All right, let's uh, look at verse 7 now. Contrast that with verse 7. All the brothers of the poor hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? He may pursue them with words, yet they abandon him. Here's the point. People avoid those who are poor. Even if they, like, I mean, look, the guy's brothers won't even hang out with him because he's poor. You know? I don't want to have nothing to do with him. He's just a lazy good for nothing. That's why he's poor. And even if he were to run after you, that is, if he's trying to seek a relationship with you, what happens? People don't want to have anything. Because notice something. Here's the point of Proverbs. Verse 6 and 7 are making a great point here. We, in our very base human nature, seek our relationships based on what we can get out of them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let me say that again. Because of who we are as depraved human beings, we seek relationships for what we can get out of them. That's the point here. So if it's a real guy with a fat wallet and he holds a position in town, we want to be what? His friend. We want to be his friend. But if he's poor, we don't want to have anything to do with him. So, for instance, let's say, out of the blue, it isn't going to happen, but George W. calls me and says, Hey, George, I want to have a cheeseburger with you. And I say, Well, let me check my calendar. Do you think I'd do that? Yeah, I'll be there. You would, too, if the president called you. I mean, it doesn't matter what party you're from, you're going to go. Because the president called. Now, let's say I have a burger the following week with Tom Olosky. The next Sunday I get up, I'm going to talk about who I had a burger with. Who am I going to talk about? Why? Yeah, but ultimately, let's get to the root of the issue. Why? What? Not that it's not a perfection... Why am I doing it? You hear what Millie said? Makes me look important. If I got up there and said, I had, I had a, a, a burger at Billy Burgerland with Tom this week, who, who's going to be impressed by that? <laughs> the only thing that's going to go through your mind is, is when am I going to go to Billy Burgerland with him? You know? But if I got up here and I said, I had a burger with George W., then you're like, ooh. My pastor had a burger with George W. And you're going around telling everybody, you know. How does that, 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 I've already got a big head. How much bigger will it be? You know what I'm saying? See, that's the point he's talking about here in these two verses, is that the more influential they are, we'll go to them because we want something, but we don't hang out with the poor because what? Huh? Oh, we always have to buy. Okay. <laughs> no, not right. But no, the reason why we don't is why? Because we can't get anything from them. But I'll be honest with you, they have off, actually have more to offer than the influential person. You say, what do you mean? I'll go back to my illustration. Let's say I fall down on hard times. Maybe I hurt myself or something and that year I get a deer 
Is George W. going to come and help me clean my deer? Process my deer? Will Tom Olofsky? Yeah. See, that's the point I want you to see. We want something. That's the point of the Proverbs here. That's why we avoid it. But what actually is friendship's offered. True friendship. True friendship. Does everybody see what I'm saying? True friendship. Okay. We're going to stop. I haven't done this in a while. I try to get through a lesson each week. We're going to stop. And we'll finish up next week with verse 8.